Amen. Welcome to life. If you can all stand, we're going to open up this morning in prayer. Amen. It's so good to see each and every one of you today. Amen. My heart's been stirred. I was talking to me and Brother Munden had dinner Friday night, and we began to talk um, about what's happening in, in Kentucky. I'm sure if you've, if you've seen the news and seen about the the revival that's sort of breaking out among the youth and it's kind of spreading. Um, my heart has been very stirred seeing this. And one of the things that we talked about was we need to pray that it continues to happen and it continues to spread because the Bible says that where God is or where God is lifted up, He's going he's gonna to show up no matter what. But we need to pray need to pray that truth and revelation will come. The Bible, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times, people will, people will and historically have stumbled upon truth and revelation without even really anybody teaching them. If there's a hunger there, God can reveal truth and revelation. So we need to pray for that. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. God of heaven, I love you today. God, I thank you for your presence, God, that we feel. Lord, I thank you, God, for your presence, God, that has met us here this morning. God, I pray that, that you would have your way, God, in this house today. God, that you would open up the windows of heaven, God, today. God, that you would pour out your blessings. God, that you would pour out your spirit in this house today. God, I pray that you would anoint Reverend Parks as he brings forth the word today. God, anoint our hearts and our minds, God, to be open, receptive, God, to the moving and the flowing, God, of your spirit today. God, help us to receive a word from you today. God, I pray, God, that you would minister, God, to every need, every heart in this house today. God, open up the windows of heaven, God, and pour out your spirit. God, I call upon your name today. God, I pray that there would be a hunger. God, that there would be a thirsting, God, a longing, God, to be in your presence, God, like we've seen. God, help us to not be in a hurry today. God, but help us, God, to press into your presence. Oh, God, we thank you today. God, we love you today. God, I speak the name of Jesus in this atmosphere right now. God, we pray that you would come. God, that you would manifest your presence. That you would manifest your spirit, God, in this house today. God, that your spirit, God, would come. God, that you would sweep through this house. God, that the gifts of the spirit, God, would operate, God, in this house today. God, that you would open the blinded eyes. God, that you would set the captive free. God, set us free today, God, from the bondage of our flesh. Help us, oh God, today to crucify, God, our flesh. God, to lay aside every care and every way, oh God, today. God, I thank you today. God, I pray that your will, God, will be accomplished. God, that your will will be done today. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask it. Oh, God, we praise you today. We honor you today. God, I pray that you would anoint the praise team. God, as they lead us in the worship, God, help us to not be spectators. God, but help us to be participators today. Oh, God, we thank you today. Stir us, oh God, in this house today. Stir us, oh God, in this house today. God, do something. God, new. God, do something fresh within us today. God, baptize people with the Holy Ghost today. God, pour out your spirit in this house today. I love 
today. Oh God, I pray that you would begin to move in this house. God, I pray that the angels today, oh God, would have their worship, God, with ours. God, that your spirit, God, would manifest. God, that your spirit would move.
throughout the house, the Lord's reminding you that He is your comfort. touched by the power of the Holy Ghost at this very moment. Reach out to him right now. We're not in any hurry. Go ahead, reach out in the presence of God. Repent. 
if you're in the house, you haven't repented of your sins, you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin, and you haven't been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, today is your opportunity. Today is your opportunity. If you're in the house and you feel, but you haven't had a breakthrough in a while, the atmosphere is prepared for you. This is what we come for. This is what we come for.
right behind this board, I'm sure. And the two of these messages go together. That God is love and we're stronger together. We're stronger together. You're not alone. You're not alone. My brothers and sisters, I'm here to comfort you. And there's no comfort like the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Many of you who are praying and just basking in the presence of an almighty God continue to be in his presence. Don't allow me to interrupt that. That's what we come to church for. We want to release those that are able to children's church. Others of you that are in the presence of God, continue to pray. If you're praying with someone, continue to pray. And if you're not, I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 and then allow you to sit down. If you want to sit down, if you want to stand, if you want to run the aisles, if you want to come to the altar, you want to kneel at your seat, all of that's in order. We're in the presence of God. Romans 15 and 1 through 4. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves. Let every one of us place his neighbor, please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. For whatsoever things are written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. I want to preach to you for a few minutes. Hope in a hopeless situation. Hope in a hopeless situation. I'm going to ask Reverend Munden, if you would, sir, pray over this message. Lord Jesus, we come to you today, Lord, as you have already started your work, Lord. We have given you liberty, Lord Jesus, to speak to us, Lord Jesus, through your word, Lord, through your mighty truth, Lord Jesus. We pray today, Lord Jesus, as you have given Reverend Parks, Lord, a word, Lord, for this church, Lord, that our understanding, Lord, is open, Lord Jesus, that we would gainfully take the words that we have learned, yes, Lord, and all that we have seen today, Lord, and yes. know that it is your truth, Lord, that is written in your word. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord, and we ask, Lord, for a mighty outpouring of your spirit, Lord Jesus, all around this nation, all around this world, and all in this church, Lord. We thank you, we praise you, and the congregation agreed by stating, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I hope you're sitting next to someone that you're willing to talk to and worship with and comfort and give hope. If not, you may want to change seats. <laughs> I want you to look to your left and right and say, uh, I'm here to, to give you hope. I'm here to help you to be strong where you may be weak. You're sitting by yourself, move over next to somebody and let them know 
that there's hope in a hopeless situation. Uh, I'm amazed at how the Lord leads his people. As I listen to the message from Sunday, I just listened to it yesterday evening. Brother Holland's message uh, on doing a new thing. But prior to that, I had put this picture uh, on this slide. And it's a, a stream or a river that's flowing through a desert. And I didn't realize this as much. I, I can't tell you what the scripture is, but Brother Holland preached from that scripture that talks about a new thing. Right? And if you look it up, I, I can't tell you what it is. I ain't look it up. Uh, but the thing about reading the word is we kind of just flow through it at times and not take a look at every word that's in the scripture. But that verse ends with that there's going to be a river flowing through a desert. And I'm just like, man, look at the Lord work things out. And, and, and that, was, uh, that was yesterday evening I saw that. But yesterday morning, as Sister Duvall was closing out prayer, I was listening to what she was sharing about the testimony of a young man uh, who was going through and how she comforted him. And she reminded us of a fresh testimony. A fresh testimony. You don't have someone standing before you with all because of all the titles and what I do that I hadn't gone through something. You know, in order for me to get into church, God reached out to me where I was. And I was in a mess. Yes, I was in all kinds of stuff. And uh, thinking I was okay until I stepped into a, a Pentecostal altar and the Lord changed my life. And I no longer wanted to seek the things of the world and do the things that the world was doing. But I was doing them. I was clubbing. Uh, I was drinking. Yeah, and I was hanging out with a crowd that wasn't going in the right direction. But I, I need to give that as a testimony because there's a new convert and uh, there's a seasoned saint that needs to know that there's hope in a hopeless situation. We need, as Sister Duvall said, to be a unified body, a body that gives each other hope. She also alluded to what the message is today of hope, that as seasoned saints, we can't just be so judgmental and so uh, uh, struck on how good we are, where we are in the Lord. Yes, I can pray and I can shout and I can run the aisles, but can I reach out into someone's life and give them hope uh, because I understand where they are. We have this long-lived salvation in the power of the Holy Ghost. We're versed in the Word. We can shout, but are we able to lift up someone else? Are we able to lift up and pick up another saint? I want to start with some research that shows that hope is a powerful predictor of positive emotions. Studies confirm that there's a link between hope. When, when hope is low, there are lower levels, low levels of anxiety and stress. Studies also prove that higher levels of hope are correlated with a better quality of life. 
physical health benefits are increased with hope, resulting in higher function. And that's, you know, uh, no matter what the ailment might be, whether cancer or heart disease, the immune system, uh, decreased pain and a better prognosis when it comes to chronic illness. When we have hope, but I want to be clear, I see my, my Pentecostal apostolics looking at me, uh, sort of cross-eyed, and Sister Pauls, you got to start the car, because I want to be ready and I'll just slide out that side door. But I want you to know that this message is not a blinded, positive thinking. This is not simple, positive thinking. And I'm not implying that you should just look on the brighter side of things. And I'm not preaching some self-destructive path towards leading you away from the presence of God. Contrary to what society may believe, a self-avowed life satisfaction and an autonomy, it doesn't determine that we'll achieve our goal. And simply setting or pursuing a goal doesn't always turn out positive. Any goal that is not hoped on the fundamentals of God is set on a course that's going to result in failure. I'm telling you that if you're going to have hope, you better put your hope in Christ. And I'm here to encourage you to put your hope in Christ. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to comfort you. I'm here to lift you up. I'm here to build you up on the things of Christ. As we look at Romans chapter 15, just give me an opportunity to go through each one of these verses and to share with you what Paul is saying to, the, to, to Rome. It's very interesting where Paul is writing to Rome. Paul is in Corinth. And in Corinth, this is a pagan city. This is a city where folks are, uh, have idols and they're worshiping false gods. They're worshiping wood or gold instead of a living God. And Paul is writing to Rome from Corinth. And if we look back at chapter 14, he just dealt with some folks. And what he was dealing with is some of the same things we deal with at the, uh, at the meat section in Walmart in Hinesville, right? In Corinth, they was at the meat market. And each time they go to the meat market, an argument would start. Anytime they're going to pick up their meat, there'd be uh, an old saint, a Jew, and then a, a, a new Gentile convert standing around picking up the meat, ready to go eat. And the old saint would look at the what they call the weaker. Don't get me wrong. There's a such thing. They, it is. I don't want to take away from the word. But he'd look at the, the younger saint and say, you know, just eat that meat, man. Ain't nothing wrong with it. And the younger saint would say, no, this meat's been used for idol worship. And I'm not, I'm not going to eat it. 
And this uh, older saint would say, man, idols aren't even real. Just eat the meat. It's okay. And this argument would break out about whether the meat was used for idol worship and whether you should eat it or not. And Paul was addressing this in chapter 14. And there are several things that are going to come out of what he was addressing. And one of the main things is God is a God over all. He's a God of the Jew. He's a God of the Gentile. He's a God of the weak. He's a God of the strong. I'm thankful that we serve the God that we do. Because, and, and I, you know, I really, I thank my pastor for the opportunity to stand behind this podium. I don't take it lightly, uh, you know, that he brings the word to us on a, a, a Sunday and Tuesday. And it's a word that's necessary for us. Uh, but when I stand behind here, it's just amazing. When I look out and I see Life Church, the very diverse group of people that are standing before me, representing our city. Right here, this represents our local city. All the people that are here are, are represented in this church. And I'm so thankful for that, that Paul is saying, whether you eat the meat or not, God is still God. God is still God. And, and we've got to prepare ourselves as the saints of God for that. We need to be giving each other some hope in our hopeless situation. In Romans 5, Romans 15, and verse 1 and 2, we then that are strong ought to bear up the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let everyone, verse 2 says, of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Now Paul here, now think about that meat market experience that's going on in chapter 14. Paul's linking that chapter with this one. And not only that, it's followed by an obligation. Now I'm going to cover that obligation here shortly. In verse 3 it goes on to say, for even Christ Please not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. Oh my God. This is where it really starts to kick off. Why? Because Christ's suffering was for our hope. Christ's suffering was for our hope. And this verse is to remind us of that. And it goes on in verse 4 and verse 5. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. So he further gives us parts of this obligation. God, this is very important, God through patience and encouragement of the scripture, he's the one that gives us hope. The word gives us hope. The word gives us hope. So first of all, we have an obligation as the saints of God to provide hope to others. And then Christ gives us the example that he gave us hope. And then the word gives us hope. In verse 6 and 7, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God. That's what we saw in the house today, this morning. That was one mind. Sister Paul shaking her head. You 
and love him, all ye people. He's talking about us. <laughs> I have to be careful about what comes to my head and then I let it come out through this microphone. But I remember a time when I was stationed in Germany and they would tell us to wear, I probably have shared this before, but they tell you to wear a collared shirt instead of wearing your uniform off post and, and things like that so you don't stand out. I'm here to tell you, I don't look like an African. In, in Germany, I don't look like an African that's in Germany. So that's one thing. And then I don't look like everybody else in Germany. So I can put on a collar shirt or not. What I'm, what I'm saying is, we're Gentiles. We've been brought in. We've been grafted into the vine. And I'm thankful that we are a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that we should show forth the praises of him that brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When we look at that scripture from Peter, it goes on to say, for you who were once not a people, And believing 
that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on, come on, come on. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. In verse 13, uh, the ending of these verses that I've opened with, this verse reminds us that our hope is in the power of the Holy Ghost. There's joy and peace. There's comfort and encouragement in the power of the Holy Ghost. If you don't have it, you need it. If you don't have it, you need it. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. Now Romans 1 and 2 is kind of where I want to hang out until I close. And that is the instructions that are given to us. I want to look at all the words in this scripture. We then, we then, Paul is causing chapter 14 to be connected with chapter 15. We then that are strong ought to bear up the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor. For, it says, his good to edification. Paul is an apostle to the Gentiles. He writes neither that the Jews nor the Gentiles can save themselves. I want to share that with each one of you. None of us can save ourselves by our own efforts. I'm here to tell you. And this is recent. This is since I've lived for God. This is before I live for God. That each time that I try myself to make it, doesn't matter what it's related to, I fail. But now if I put it in the hands of God and move my efforts out the way, I'll stay on this road to salvation. You know, what I, what I meant to do is because I know I'm not talking to y'all every time I preach. I meant to come down here and say, well, preacher, you got obligations. And I know you're not always living right like you should. But I want to tell you that you can't do it on your own. Is 
used to express duty. It talks about our moral obligation. This word shows that there's an obligation that each and every one of us has as saints. The weaker, the strong, the new, or the old. In the epistle of John, it brings a greater understanding of this debt that we owe. We don't owe money, but we owe a debt. And this debt that we owe is not to please us. Because it is through Christ Jesus that we owe each other the gratitude and the debt of love. 1 John 4 and 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, listen to this word, we ought also to love one another. I want to remind you that that's an obligation for us to love one another. That doesn't mean that we just say praise the Lord, brother or sister, when we walk into the church. 1 John 3 and 16, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And the scripture gives us another obligation. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's good. Come on. Come on. We're obligated. We're obligated. The next word that I want to bring your attention to is bear. In this verse, verse 1, it says that we must bear the infirmities of the weak. How do we bear the infirmities of the weak? Verse 2 answers it. It says, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Now, I told you this ain't no prosperity gospel. This ain't no positive psychology. Alright, so when the scripture talks about for his good, oh, they're more than just, you know, you got hope. We are to gently assist the convert or the weak in a better and more perfect appreciation of their faith. Gently. Gently do it. Gently. Uh, that doesn't mean you, you got to do it just like this. In other words, we ought to give hope. You yell at me, I'm walking away. If, you, if you're angry with me, I'm walking away. In verse 2, he speaks of his good to edification. In other words, for the other person's benefit. Look to your neighbor and say, I want it, whatever I do, I want it to be for your benefit. When we look at how Paul is summarizing what happened in chapter 14, he gives us three things to look at. And I want to share them with you. One is... Consider others and not do things to please ourselves first. That's number one. Consider others and not do things to please ourselves first. Number two, not going to leave this out, have your own personal convictions. But with that, follow your own conscience. And also with that, continue in the direct revelation that God gave you. And the third thing is Jesus is overall. If we look at scriptures that support this, those that seem to have a hopeless situation, 
we look at the book of Daniel. There's no more hopeless situation than being put in a lion's den. That's hopeless. You can't get any more hopeless than that. But we find three things that must be considered. And the first is considering others above yourself. In verse 3, the Bible says, because he had an excellent spirit, he was set over the others. So it's obvious that Daniel didn't consider himself first. And then verse 10 talks about Daniel continuing in his convictions. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into the house. And his window being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave God thanks before his God and gave thanks before his God. Listen to how that verse ends. As he did aforetime. In other words, no matter what the world doing, no matter what your what you say your convictions are, you either be, you don't. That doesn't change what I'm doing. I'm not gonna change for you, but I also don't expect you to tell me how to change. We'll get to that. But the third thing is God is overall. That's right. That's right. Whether it's the kings, whether it's the princes, whether it's the chiefs, whether it's Daniel, God is overall. Verse 20 says, and when he came to the den, speaking of King Darius, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, see, this is how others find hope in a hopeless situation. They see how you live. Of course, you didn't judge them about whether they ate the meat or not. You bought ribs, and they bought a turkey leg. You just let them go on with their turkey leg, and nobody talking about whether it was used for idols. Uh, but when you did that, you kept with your own convictions. And guess what? They saw you. They saw how you lived, and they were drawn into that. They heard you talk about your God. They saw how you lived for your God. And the king saw how Daniel lived for his God. And he said, Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually? The God that you didn't stop serving when the decree changed. Did you, the God that you serve, even though you know you could have lost your life, was he able to deliver you from the lions? And I'm here to tell you, he was delivered from the mouth of the lions. And that king was able to witness what the living God is able to do. Our God is God overall. We look at Daniel 3, the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. Now, is that a, a hopeless situation? I heard somebody call their name, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hopeless situation when you're about to be thrown into a fiery furnace. In verse 12, it talks about their character. They must have been people that considered others above themselves. Why? Because in verse 12, it says there's certain Jews 
whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not about to put anybody in charge of things when they're not good with other people. In verse 18, they answered the king and said, Let it be known, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. So one thing is, they put others before themselves too. They held on to their convictions. And three, verse 24, then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and spake, saying to his counselors, did we not cast in three men bound in the midst of the fire? Then they answered, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God you see that's what happens when we place others first when we hold to our convictions and when we know that we serve a God that he's not just a God over me but he's a God over Babylon he's a God over the Babylonian people he's a God over the Jewish Samuel 17. This is a hopeless situation. This is David going up against Goliath. You can't get any more hopeless than that. A ruddy lad, even when he looked at him, he talked bad about him. Gonna send this little boy out to me? This was a giant that had been just angry, big, loud and uh, just telling them how he's going to tear them apart. And in verse 17 and 18, we know that David is one that put others ahead of himself. Why? Because in verse 17 and 18, David was taking his brother's lunch. He taking his brother's lunch. He put others above himself. But meanwhile, while he taking them a little lunch box, in verse 37, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hands of this Philistine. And Saul said unto him, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Right here we see that David stuck to his convictions. He knew that he served a God that could bring him through anything. He said he delivered me from the lion and he delivered me from the bear. What about this uncircumcised Philistine? He just held on to the things that he held on to before. And what do we find? God is God overall. Verse 46, this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Why am I going to do it? Because you're going to know that this is the one true and the living God. And 
and he put him in a sling and he hit him in the head. Verse 51 says, David ran and stood over him and he took hold of the Philistine's sword and he drew it from the sheath and he killed him and he cut off his head with the sword. Because not only at this point did the Israelites know it, but the Philistines knew That's it. that God is God over all. That's it. He's not just the God of the Israelites. He's not just the God of the Philistines, but God is God over all. That's right. We've got to take these three things, and we've got to comfort someone with these. We've got to look to the person that's sitting next to them and tell them, we have hope in a hopeless situation. We have hope in a hopeless situation. I'm not asking you as mature Christians just to be nice to people and be sweet and just to, you know, consider what their convictions are. That's not what I'm asking you to do alone, but I am asking you to do it. When you're working with other people and they're not where you are in your convictions, consider theirs. Consider it. As long as it's not a moral value, when you done laying that word on them and they get filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, you're going to bring them into a better understanding of the faith. They're going to want to live for God for themselves. But as you nitpick every little thing that they do, they're not going to want to be around you I'm telling you to tell someone there's hope in a hopeless situation. Well, what do you, what do you mean? How do I uh, uh, edify them for their good? How do I edify them for their good? 1 Corinthians 8 and 4, as concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice of all of, all of idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. That's right, one. I got to tell you what to eat. You can determine from this word for yourself that idols aren't real, and you can eat the meat or don't eat it. But the word said the idols aren't real, and we don't serve but one God. So if they ate meat in front of the idols, I can still eat it. It doesn't change what, what the meat is. It was a real before, it's a real now, and I'm going to eat it. That's what a mature Christian can do. But we ain't got to go poking at folks and saying, why you eat those ribs? <laughs> That's for the weak and for the strong. Come on, come on. The weak shouldn't poke at us That's right. and say, why you eat those ribs? Saints of God, as you're considering others' convictions, hold on to your standards. That's it. And don't allow anyone to take advantage of you. 1 Corinthians 6 and 12 through 20. I'm not going to read all those verses. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will, I will not be brought under the power of any. Verse 13, meats are for the belly and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. 
And the scripture goes on in verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and that you are not your own, for you are bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to him. Verse 14 and 14, I want to read this and I want to clarify. I know I'm persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. Sometimes I can read a scripture and I can tell by how quiet everyone gets. How challenging it may be. It's very interesting. It's like, okay, you're going to use the scripture for that. Uh, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. That clarifies everything. You want it to be unclean? It's unclean for you. But the scripture says there's nothing unclean of itself. Now, although Paul identifies that there's nothing that's unclean in itself, many of the activities that we could be involved in are unclean and sinful. And so we don't need to be a part of it. Now that real, it can be at the idol worship. But now as soon as we move out of the body up there where the real is at idol worship, we're in the wrong place. Now, it, you know, that if that was a hog that was participating in idol worship and they cut that rib out and brought it to the meat market, we can walk all ourselves up there because it's not unclean in itself. It's the idol worship that's unclean. And we need to stay away from that. You know, I'm getting ready to close. And this is what the scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 6 and 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Don't go up there participating in the idol worship. And if you're visiting, and I'm going to use Paul and, uh, and Corinth so that in case you're having lunch with somebody at the church, they won't say I was talking about them. But this was a pagan city. And there are many possibilities of what you'll find when you go into a pagan home. And there was no problem with having dinner and eating some ribs. There ain't no, there's no problem with that. But now what we participate in, that's where you can say, well, I think I'm going to excuse myself. I think I'm going to excuse myself at this point. Y'all go ahead and eat. Uh, but there's a part of this that I don't really want to be a part of. Why? Because I am to separate myself. And I'm not to touch the unclean. I can eat the ribs. I can eat the ribs. But when you set that thing out on the table there, uh, and you said, you know, the ribs had something to do with that, well, I'll, I'll see y'all tomorrow. I'll see y'all tomorrow. We, we have to realize that we have a part and it is to give hope in a hopeless situation. But there's three things we can hold on to. One, lift up others in a way that we don't please ourselves. Two, 
Hold on to your standards, your convictions, and your revelations from God. Don't let anybody take advantage of those. And three, God is God over all. You don't have to force nobody to do nothing because whether it's now or it's the end when Jesus Christ comes back, we're still serving the God that is the God over all. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Some kind of tongue gonna flow out of me? What? 
Want me to be drenched in blood? What? I'm not going for any of that. It ain't easy for me for you to say that kind of stuff to me. And there was that one brother, Sister Fox. He said if he lay his hand, he had big hands too. His hand was big as two of mine. Older guy too. This guy, he wasn't no young fella, but you could tell he grew up, you know, plying the mule. He wasn't your average guy. And man, when he laid, if he laid his hand on you, something was gonna happen. <laughs> something happened. But that was his words. He said, if I lay hands on you and nothing happened, I'm coming behind you and see if you have a kickstand holding you up. <laughs> so whatever you receive in here when somebody praying for you, I know you can't compare it to that. That's scary. <laughs> you need it. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the thing that we need to have hope. And after I got over myself and how proud I am and what I think about people, and I was encouraged, one of those people spoke into my ear and said the things that God gave him from the Word of God. And boom! The presence of God came over me. And man, I'm telling you, I tore up the room. I was jumping, running, speaking in tongues. I think they had to close down their little business because I was carrying Sister Duvall. Church was over. Church had been over for a while. Yeah, so whoever was counting money or whatever they were doing, they had to move their tables. You can get it like that. You can get it like that. If you don't have it like that, get it like that today. I want to share something with you because it's the iniquities that separate us from God. It's the sin that separates us. It's the things that we do that separate us from God. We know that the scripture says that nothing can separate us from the love of God, but we separate ourselves through sin from the presence of God. Come on, come on. Likewise, but I want to give you hope in that. And I want to tell you that all hope is not lost. Why? Because we have time. We have time to straighten things out. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groans that cannot be uttered. And he searcheth the heart, knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. All hope is not lost. If you feel like there's some sinful thing that you've done and you need forgiveness, you can get it today. We can turn the pages into a new leaf. Uh, just as Paul did from chapter 14 to verse to chapter 15. There's a couple things I want to share with you. And I know this is not a tent, but it's the closest I'm getting today uh, to a tent. But when you put a tent up, a tent get torn down, right? Second Corinthians five and one says, "For we know that in the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. When that time comes, this human body, which the Scripture relates to as a tent." This tent is going to be torn down. That's 
And I want to I want to give a message of warning. Do what you got to do before the tent get torn down. Come on. While the tent's still up, you got time. That's right. And so for the one that felt like you sinned and you can't be forgiven, the tent's still up. The tent is still up. You can come forth, you can be forgiven, and you can be forgiven before the tent get torn down. And I forgot to get the scissors, Sister Christy. I don't have no scissors. I know y'all. Where the scissors? I need some scissors. I got scissors. Oh, we got some scissors. Right? Can you bring me some scissors? <laughs> My age is departed and removed from me as the shepherd's tent. I have cut off like a weaver's my life. He will cut me off with pine and sickness from day even to night and will make an end of me. Once that weaver is done making something like this scarf. I don't like that. <laughs> these strings that have gone into making the scarf. That's the best I could do. Sister Jacqueline, I wanted you to bring me something you had to do. Oh, not my scarf. No. <laughs> but as soon as that scarf is complete, that weaver cuts off the strings. This is the finished product. And it's done. Mm -hmm. But the pieces that's left open, they get cut off. Come on. When the cutting comes or the tent get let down, it's too late. It's too late when the cutting off happens. Now is your time. Now is your time. While you still have breath in your body. While you still have breath in your body. And you all can start the music. I, I guess they're waiting for They can't just start the music, I guess. I want to give you an opportunity. Come on. As you make your way to the altar, I want to place this Bible out here. Similar to what Paul did in chapter 14 when they were arguing and cutting up about what you eat and what you don't eat. And he gave us these three recommendations for how we can find hope in a hopeless situation. You can look to someone next to you and say, you know what, I'm going to consider you more. See, Sister George, uh, I'm, I'm allowing the opportunity here. You can look to the one that's next to you and you can say, I want to give you hope in a hopeless situation. I know what it takes. I'm, I'm living this life. I know what it takes. You need, if you need hope and you feel like your situation is hopeless, I want to help you. I want you to come with me and we can go to the altar together. And not only that, when we go, I understand there's things in your life that maybe you hadn't let go yet. I hope that when you get up here to the altar, you'll let them go. Uh, but if you don't, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to let God work on you. Why? Because the next thing is, two things going to help you. One, I'm going to live for God. You do what you want. I'm going to live for God. And you get to watch that. Second thing is, God is God over all. Whether you eat the ribs, brother, or you don't eat the ribs. God hadn't changed. He's still the same. So if you need hope in your life, well, for whatever reason, there's hope that you need. Come on. Bring the individual with you to the altar. Come on. And as you come, 
I want you to flip these pages. Whatever page is on, just turn one over. And let that be a declaration between you and God. That I'm flipping the page today. I'm turning it over. That scripture says to come out from among them and be yourself. I'm going to get here first. Come on, come on. Lord, help me. Help me, Jesus. Because I want to live for you. I want to encourage someone. I want, I want someone to be comforted in the power of the Holy Ghost. I want someone to be comforted in the scripture of God. And I know uh, altar call is this way for me. Uh, maybe because, uh, because of the, you know, how I grew up. You know, I'd love to lift up my hands and say, everybody come up to the altar. But really, you know, there's a lot of conviction in one person having a thought about what they need to do for God. And this type of altar call is that. If you need it, come up. You know, and turn the page of life and say, you know what? I want to leave some old things behind. You remember that message from last week? This is a new thing. Come on. This is a new thing. There's a river that's flowing through a desert. You know, and God is giving you hope in a hopeless situation. You may have walked into the house feeling like things were hopeless. You may feel like even when you leave here, things might seem to be hopeless. But I'm telling you, if you leave in the power of the Holy Ghost, whatever was hopeless, is no longer hopeless. You got some hope. You got some hope. You got a God that you can turn to. You got a God that can comfort you. Standing all over the building. If you're coming to the altar, come. If you're staying at your seats, pray. Because there needs to be intercession for those that are heading towards. And there's one coming now that's turning the page and saying, I'm going to leave some things behind. And I'm going to make an effort. And through this effort, everyone that's around me is going to know that God is the God over all. He's a God over the Jews. He's a God over the Gentiles. And I'm thankful that God has brought me to the place that he's brought me to.
pray with these that are turning a new leaf.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're praying, continue to pray. We do not want to interrupt that. Hallelujah. But thank you, Reverend Parks, for a good word, hallelujah, to bring to us, hallelujah, a recognition of where, how we must continue to walk and allow the Lord to move upon us that, you know, in the end all, that God is the God of all. He is the creator of all. And we have to do his will and his way. We have to be obedient to his call. And I'm pretty sure someone was called today that if you do not know, I remember uh, Elder Bernard said, if you don't know what to do, do what you know you must do. And that is that we must follow Christ. We must follow the men and the women that follow Christ. And that's where we get all of our counsel. That's where we get all of our calling from. We get our calling from the Lord and those that are around us that help to minister to us and strengthen us and lift us up and encourage us and give us hope. Hallelujah. There's hope in life. All is not lost. But even more so, there's hope in Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, for our announcements, quickly, I want to go through it. I just want to let us know. Please do not forget to read over your bulletin. This week on next Saturday, we do have our Armor Bearers Maintenance Day, and we're going to be meeting here at 8.30. So that's all calling all of our men to come out and to help with our maintenance day. They'll have a list of tasks of things that we usually do every winter, every spring, every summer, and we want to make sure we go ahead and take care of those things also for the beautification of the areas. Some things are seen, some things are unseen. But next Saturday, Armor Bearers Maintenance Day at 8.30 a.m. And Saturday, for those that are on our music choir, for the Life Choir, they have the music workshop from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And as you see our ushers and usherettes up here, I definitely want to let us know and remind us that our Carowinds Military Life Family Trip, we will be going on a trip to Carowinds, which is in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Fort Mill, South Carolina. The park is like split by the state line. But uh, right now we have it set up where if we get 10 families, I need 10 families to commit with a $50, $50 deposit, right? I need 10 families to commit for a $50 deposit for the hotels. I have to get at least 10 families to lock the price in. So the price is $98. You ever stayed at a, a home too? A home too has a full size refrigerator, almost a full kitchen, plates, all that stuff. So it's good. Me and my family, we're a larger family, so we always stay there. But I need a commitment by next Sunday. The end of service next Sunday, I need a commitment because I'm not sure how many rooms they will have. So I need to know. Um, I already have one or two families, but I need at least eight more families to lock their room in. We're only staying from the 14th to the 15th of uh, April. We're going to be going possibly on the 14th and on the 15th is your family day. Spend time with your family in the Charlotte area and then come back home um, for service that next day, which is Sunday. So it's a Friday and it's a Saturday that we'll be there. But uh, please let us know. The tickets are only $25 for amusement park. And this is one of the better amusement parks that I've been to. So I know it's better than Disney. Sorry, Christy Lynn, but it is. But <laughs> But 
before the Lord, give thanks and honor. Continue to be in prayer for our pastor as he's on his celebrating his 35th anniversary with his young bride. Hallelujah. And we want to pray safely for them and that they enjoy their time away from here. But as I always say, pastors always out evangelizing. So we definitely want to make sure that we keep him lifted up for safety and for the ministry for, as the word goes forth. Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, we're thankful, Lord. Thankful, Lord, that you have blessed us today, Lord, with a powerful word, Lord Jesus, that we may be able to take and put in our toolbox, Lord, and pull out, Lord. Let us remember, Lord, all the scriptures that was given, that, um, that we may be able to use these things to um, use these, Lord, to bring to remembrance, Lord, daily when we awake, Lord, that we must stay committed to you, Lord. We know, Lord, that within you, that there is hope, and that we'd rather do it now to give honor and glory to you than the day of our judgment. Hallelujah. We thank you, we praise you, and we plead your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. And the congregation said amen. All right, come on up, give your offering. Hallelujah. Go with